Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Dr. Sasheen, also known as the Bliss Doctor, and it is the Bliss Report for another fabulous Monday morning. Welcome, 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 everybody. It's good to be back. It's good to have your ear this morning. So what are we talking about? We are talking about living that non-negotiable life, living that life that you have stood firmly on and said, this is mine now. I will not be giving it up again. I might have negotiated with you before, but I will not be negotiating with you now. And what that really means in terms of your happiness, your health, your priorities, your choices, everything, because everything rests upon you deciding to make your wants, needs, aspirations, whatever you want to call them, non-negotiable. And what happens to us when we start to negotiate away those things? Well, this is actually the re-recording that um, from the, 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 the recording of this particular topic, the sound quality is terrible. So I'm taking this opportunity on this Monday to re-record it, add some, add some new spin on it, because even though it was just a couple of weeks ago that we recorded this initial episode, I've come to some more conclusions that I want to share with you. And I've come to understand even more about why we cannot continue to negotiate away our happiness, because it doesn't just impact you. It impacts everyone that you love. And so when you become negotiable about the things that are really important to you, and you start giving away pieces of yourself, then you start negotiating away your children's future, if you have children, your health, your mental well-being, and so many other, your your finances, you begin to negotiate away the things that you should be saying, Mm-mm, I will not negotiate on this point. You can find some other point of negotiation for us to connect on, but it will not be this one. So hopefully this morning you are ready. You are primed, pumped, and ready. I know you're getting a lot of emails and whatnot in your inbox and on your uh, text messages on your cell phone. Everyone's got their sales starting. Black Friday's coming. Black Friday's coming. Black Friday's coming. I also have Black Friday coming. Um, all of my eBooks will be on sale on Black Friday and on Cyber Monday for that weekend, for that whole weekend. Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. All of my uh, eBooks and courses will be on sale that day. So be on the lookout if you don't want to wait. Everything's always available for you at the link in the show notes or the bio, depending on where you're listening to me, whether that's on YouTube or Facebook, Instagram, or on your whatever streaming service you're getting me on. All those are available for you each and every day. And I encourage you to pick them up and get started because you don't need a Black Friday sale to start taking taking your, your own care into your hands and becoming non-negotiable about that. So we got some stuff to talk about. So whether you're catching me on the pe- Peloton, on the treadmill, on your walk, on your run, over coffee, over tea, on the go, on your commute, on your way to work, on your way to drop the kids off, wherever you're catching me, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and good morning. Good morning to you. This is Dr. Sasheen. This is The Bliss Report, and we'll be right back after a word from our first sponsor guess what? Way back. Okay. So, um, making a mental note here. I got notes again. You know, I like to do things with notes in my hand because I don't, I always want to make sure I'm getting to the points, but I also have, I also have a lot of stories that I can get lost in. So I want to make sure that I get to the point. So what does it really mean to be non-negotiable about your life? What does it mean to have the big rocks of your life set. And if you've followed this podcast, you know that I talk about the big rocks a lot. And in fact, I have a a little guide that says big rocks, small stones and your happiness. And I'm putting a course together. So if you want to get on the waiting list to be a part of that course, uh, DM me 
on either Facebook or Instagram or send me an email, support at sashimobi.com or there'll be a waiting list also in the link tree called the Big Rock Small Stones Workshop for Happiness. Anyway, but um, if you don't, if you are certain of the big priorities of your life and you stand firmly because you have articulated them, you have plotted out what they look like in your life you you know in your bones what they mean to you and how important they are then your life is non-negotiable on those issues and you're probably doing okay you're probably not losing a lot of sleep at night I mean you might get stressed about things from time to time because small stones come along and 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 they can sometimes get overwhelming but you have a firm foundation that you stand on and you keep your feet on those foundations even if you are uh, moving from foundation to foundation you have the ones in place that are necessary for the life that you want to live if that's you you can stop here. I'm probably not going to say anything to you that you need to hear. You might just keep listening for reinforcement that you're doing the right thing because you are. Um, but you probably don't have the level of anxiety, fear, and um, just general dis-ease that comes with having shifting stones beneath your feet and not having a firm foundation to stand on. And if that's you, I'm talking to you. Listen, women of a certain age, and at this point in life, I would say that if you listen to the media, a certain age is anything over 12 these days, but that is incorrect. Okay. Children get to be kids, but women of a certain age, and I'm talking to us ladies who are past the age of 35, past the age of 40, past the age of 45, past the age of 50, past the age of 55, past the age of 60. I'm talking to us. When you get to a place in life where you are like, listen, this is not working for me. I have given of myself in places that I did not intend to negotiate. And now I need to renegotiate with myself, my priorities. If you, when you get to that place, you begin looking around at the things that are important to you. And you may find that what was really important to you in your 20s or even early 30s or even early 40s carries no water for you anymore. It bears no weight. And it may be because you've changed. You know, maybe you just have shifted life. You know, I've got a ton of life transitions that happened that, that have recrafted my big rocks. And that's what's supposed to happen. Your big rocks don't necessarily never move, but in some ways they never move because you may, re you may renegotiate with yourself what a big rock means, but the big rock never really goes anywhere. If that's happened to you and you're like, yeah, you know, life has changed. And so I do feel differently about this thing than I did before, then then that's normal and that's natural. And you probably feel like your life growth, your growth and your your trajectory is on track, even if it's not always smooth and linear, okay? But then you have the kind of life where your big rocks have been jackhammered away because so you've given the jackhammer to somebody. You've given people pickaxes, jackhammers, bulldozers, concrete mixers, or excuse me, uh, not concrete mixers, those uh, stone tumblers, You've given people permission to come into the bedrock of your life and literally bulldoze your house down. I like to use this analogy when I'm talking to people about why things aren't going for them the way they want to. I like to say, well, this happened and why did you, you know, why did we let this happen? Like what, what's happening here? And I, I hear a lot of reasons. Well, I couldn't ask this person to leave or I couldn't in this relationship or I couldn't quit this job or I just couldn't do this and this and this. And I said, well, then you started negotiating on what was important to you with this person. And in that negotiation, how much power did you give them? And a lot of people don't don't really recognize that when you begin to negotiate for with people and circumstances and environments, when you begin to negotiate with those aspects, you start giving them the power to inform your 
values your priorities. And depending on how much power you give them, they can completely reshape the foundation of your house without you even being paying attention to it. So all of a sudden you're on a, you're in shifting sands or you live in a house that is not yours. And a lot of marriages, I'm going to go go ahead and say this, a lot of marriages, especially women who got married really early and women who are married to a narcissist, I'm just I'm talking to you. A lot of relationships um, I'll just say relationships because whether you're married to a, a man or a woman makes no difference. A lot of relationships are, are houses built on shifting sands. And the reason I say that is because one person has effectively reimagined their relationship and their power to reimagine it is absolute. And so they're creating their relationship and the other partner is just along for the ride. This looks many different ways and I'm not going to get into that as much today, but my point is this. Where are you in your life feeling like you're just along for the ride? Like you're just along for the ride. Your negotiating point of power in the relationship of your life is one of submission. Think about that. Like you are the, the submissive in the relationship of, with, your, with your own life because someone else is dominating the relationship. Someone else is deciding where you go, what you do, how you live, how you eat, what you drive, what you wear. If you can take time off work, if you can't take time off work, can you go on a vacation? Can you not go on a vacation? Can you speak your truth? Can you not speak your truth? Do you have the right to, you know, get married, not get married, have kids, not have, I mean, all of these places of negotiation are really important. And if you start thinking about how much negotiation that we have to do with people and circumstances and environments all the time, it should become even more important to have your big rocks in place that you are simply not willing to negotiate on, that you are not willing to negotiate on because you say, listen, no, 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 we may have to do life together, but I have to stand for this thing. It doesn't make you unbendable. It makes you flexible, but firm because bamboo bends, but it don't break. It doesn't break. Reeds bend in the wind, but they don't break. They don't give up their position, even though they have to bend in place sometimes in order to get things done. That's what knowing what your priorities does for you. It allows you to bend, to be flexible while still standing in place to know that this is where I stand. I may have to bend. And sometimes life will bend us back to the point where our back is touching the ground, right? But our feet don't move because we are rooted um, we are rooted in the understanding that this is a non-negotiable point for me. And though I may bend to the point where it feels like I might break, I am willing to keep standing here and standing in this moment and saying, no, 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 I won't give this up. This is not the place. Um, back in my early 30s, I was employed by a small firm and the owner, I worked directly for the owner, was the executive assistant to the owner. And I was, at that point, I hadn't gone back to school to get my PhD. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but, you know, I needed a job. So I took a job as the executive assistant to this small marketing firm. Um, and they had some pretty big clients, a uh, pretty wealthy firm, had some pretty big clients. And so the owner was really um, a big personality. He was a very big personality. And I could handle the big personality aspect, the arrogance, you know, you don't, you don't build a million dollar business not having a certain level of arrogance about you. Something that I wish women would um, embrace more and appreciate about themselves, if that's who they are, is that it's okay to be arrogant when you're really good at what you do. If that's not how you choose to embrace the world, then that's great too. But I sorely wish that people who felt like, gosh, I'm really good at this, just embraced it and did and said, I'm really good at this. Because you know what, ladies, you'd raise your price in a heartbeat. Because why wouldn't you? You're really really good at this. Anyway, back to the story. So I worked for this gentleman 
Um, and I was at a transition point in my life. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet. I thought maybe I might want to become a teacher, had a master's degree, but you know, I was coasting. I was doing my thing. It was in my thirties. I wasn't necessarily pushing, pushing yet. I was, I was beginning the, the process of seeking, but I wasn't pushing yet. So, um, but I knew that I need, I wanted something more than I had. I didn't want to be working in an office was just boring as hell to me. Um, working for Kate for, excuse me, I don't want to say his name, um, cause I don't want to give anybody free publicity. <laughs> Not going to do that. But working in the office, I'm, I talked to some really fun people. I, I got to see, you know, salesmen in action. He had some pretty amazing salesmen working for him. And I learned a lot. Um, I sometimes wish I'd learn more and pay more attention, but he was a full-time job. He was a handful. So, you know, one day in the midst of working for my boss, um, something went wrong some client got annoyed or some some piece of some piece of something happened and I think it was more to deal with his house the remodeling of of the house than it was with the business but anyway something happened and he was very upset so I'm sitting in his office discussing what's going on we're having a actually we're just having a morning meeting and and it comes up that this thing is off or it's wrong um and it's a big deal like it's not a small issue that's wrong um, it's one of our clients. The client's upset. Uh, my boss is upset. The sales manager who's handling it is not in the office. And we don't really know what's happening. And my boss explodes in rage. And I have never worked in an environment where people are explosive like that. I, I've worked in many, many environments. But this was the first time that I had been in an environment where I was literally glued to my chair because my boss got up from his desk. He is throwing things. He is throwing papers. He is yelling at the top of his lungs. He's walking out of his office. He's flinging doors open and closed. He's looking for answers. He is just crazy because he's mad. And I'd never seen the side of him before. Um, and so I just sat with my pen and my pad of paper because I was taking notes of things that he needed me to get done and things that we needed to get done for the office and you know just basic office stuff so I'd been sitting there going over some files with him and then this came up and it was a literal uh this the the switch of a the flick of a switch and so I I sat there in that moment and I was like oh my gosh I didn't necessarily feel as though I was in danger but you know how your your palms are sweating your vagal response skyrockets your heart is racing um, my palms were sweating. My heart was racing. I had I had not been in a confined space with anyone this explosive before. Number one, uh, well, since I was a child. Number one and number two, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen next. So I am sitting very, very still, very, very still, because I feel cornered, and I don't know if this rage is going to be directed at me. Because at the moment, it's just swirling around me and my breathing becomes very shallow because, you know, fight or flight kicks in. And if you're going to have to flee, you need to start to conserve energy. Your body goes into that energy, that, that conservation response. Like I might need to have an explosive burst of energy to move my body. And so in order to do that, I need to conserve energy. I need to conserve all of my resources in this moment so I can feel my, my heart racing. My palms are sweaty. My breath is shallow, not deep and and life-giving but shallow and just like taking in just what I need to get ready to move if I have to and so as we are having this meltdown I say we as he is having this meltdown 
just as quickly as it starts, it's done. It probably lasted three minutes. It felt like it lasted 15, 20 minutes, but I would, I would hazard to say it might've lasted five minutes, but, but about three minutes of it was where I was directly impacted by it because in the office, he's raging, he's carrying on, he's coming in and out, he's throwing things, he's, he's talking to, to the, sales, the one sales manager who was in the office, he's on the phone, and then it occurs to him that I'm still there. And so he just dismisses me and I bolt out of that office, back to my office to settle down. You know, I had to walk out of the office building into um another part of the building out of our office into another part of the building where the bathrooms were I mean we had bathrooms inside our office but there was another set literally right outside our office for um, guests of the building so I walked out of our office and I walked into those bathrooms and I just cried I just cried because I had never felt so powerless and helpless in my life And here's the thing. I was in a job. I was an executive assistant. This is a great job for people who love this kind of work. You are the right hand of someone and you are a trusted person. And I was that person for this man. But at the same time, that means that you will endure a lot of things that may push you in ways that you'd find very uncomfortable. Because as an EA, you are privileged to know things about your boss that most people don't know. You have inside information that most people don't get. And they see you as an extension of themselves. You're not really a person you're so, so much as you're just an appendage that they use efficiently and effectively to get their life done, not just the job done. Because though I was the executive assistant at the job, I didn't go home with him. I did a lot of work on stuff that he did at home. You know, the, the renovations of the house, the, the wife's birthday, like you do a lot of stuff. And so you realize you're literally, you're just an extension of, of your, your boss. So I cry because this was a moment where I realized that I as much as this environment had been interesting, I had been coasting and I had, I didn't know what I wanted out of my life. And so therefore here I was in an office making okay money. You may, they were wealthy, but they weren't paying me that great making okay money. And I had just literally been, been in a room with someone who not just flew off the handle, went completely batshit, excuse my language. And I felt cornered and trapped. And I, I never have ever wanted to feel cornered and trapped by anyone. I do not do people who make me feel unsafe. I immediately vacate their presence because I have no desire to ever feel like that in my life ever again. So I cried and I took the rest of the day off, actually. Um, I, I went back into the office. I closed out everything at my desk. And luckily, it was closer to the end of the day. So it wasn't as big of a deal. I made up some excuse. I needed to go to the, library, to, to the post office. And um, this was back in the day when we still took a lot of stuff to the post office. Um, if we had big packages, you know, things got delivered. But I needed to make a postal run. So that was fine. Um, but as I was leaving, um, I realized that... I was not going to be able to do this job anymore. It was, I knew, I knew as I left that day that I was not going to be able to do that, do that job anymore. And the reason that I wasn't going to be able to do it is because I was not willing. I wasn't willing to be put in this position daily or ever again, a feeling as though I literally could have been, he could have thrown something at me and he would not have blinked an eye. He would probably wouldn't even notice that he'd done it until after the fact. And here's how I know that because a couple of days later, when we had time to assess the problem that had set him off, he said, and I will not forget, I will not forget this statement, though it doesn't impact me as much now as it did when I heard it. He said, I'm not going to apologize because this is just how I am. And you're going to have to get used to it. When you're working for me, you get the good and the bad. 
And so therefore, you're going to get the bad and you are going to get the bad because you work for me and you're my assistant. And so I, I could see that you, and here's the thing he said, I could see that you were afraid, but that did not bother me because you need to get used to that. And I was like, oh, okay, I need to make money. And I really, you know, appreciate that the fact that this job gives me money and it's in a great place. I'm, I'm pretty much run my own ship here. I pretty much have total control over my own domain, so to speak, because I'm good at my job. But is that worth feeling insecure? And I realized that this is a relationship that I would not tolerate from anybody else. So why in the hell would I tolerate it from my boss? And the, the reality was because I needed a job. And then I was like, I don't need a job this badly. I don't, and I especially don't need this job. My priority can't be shifted to I'll endure a narcissistic abusive relationship with my boss because he signs my paycheck and it's a good paycheck. I can't, I can't shake the foundation of my life. My value are, is our peaceful relationships and not necessarily easy all the time. I mean, I'm not, Pollyanna. I get that not all relationships are easy. But one of the things that I value are relationships that are built on a premise of peace and respect. And I knew in that moment that he did not respect me as a person because I was simply an appendage for his life. And though he paid me, that was not acceptable to me. It was absolutely not acceptable to be thought of as just an appendage to someone else's existence. Because my value in myself was really strong. Like I was, I knew I was good at what I did. And I also knew that I was valuable as a person and I wasn't going to let this diminish my value as a person. So I had to go fast forward. I left that job. I went off to do uh, teaching at the college level, decided to go back and get my PhD. Here we are today. That was a moment where I had to become non-negotiable about what was really important to me. And money is really important to me, but my value as a human being is equally as important to me. And to be in a relationship where the value of my humanness was discarded and to be told that that may happen again. And in fact, I should expect that. I could have done the easy thing. He would have continued to pay me. Like I didn't start out really well, but I could see that as the company was getting better and better, he would give out bonuses and there were incentives because we were a small company. And so he wasn't, un, he was some ways he was stingy, but he wasn't ungenerous. And so I could have stuck it out, probably been there at, and they're still going strong. I could have been there and been making decent money at some point and probably making really good money because again, I'm just an extension of him but he was taking care of me. So therefore that was fine. Or, and, and to do that, I would have had to negotiate with myself to make it okay. And that means that I'm now negotiating on something that's important to me, which is my value in the world. My, my value as someone who does a really good job and expects to be compensated for that. And you don't have to like me like it, but you will treat me <laughs> with a level of respect. I could have negotiated away my respect. That means who, who would have known? You wouldn't know if I didn't tell you this story that that ever happened because I don't really talk about it. But in that moment, I had a big rock that I had always stood on. And though I'd had to bend sometimes, and boy, that that was a, a, a time when I was being asked to bend. And it could have broken me if I had simply decided that I needed the money more than I needed my dignity. And here's the thing. We're going to do things in life sometimes where our dignity is going to take a hard rub. Because I stayed in that job until I found I found the way out. Um, but I knew that I was going to have to get out. I knew in my bones that I was going to have to get out. It was also the point that I realized that I would probably not be able to work for people. Because 
the volatility that comes with the kind of person that I tend to work for, because I tend to work, I tended to work for people in high positions, those kinds of people. And I do well because I'm, I'm a uh, organizer and administrative type anyway, but I also think pretty highly of myself. And it's at some point that starts to chafe against me when I'm starting to be treated as though I'm a non-entity. I'm not a very good appendage to someone else's life. I'll just put it like that. Where have you given of yourself to the point where you realize, ah, on it, why did I let myself get into this situation? Why did I negotiate on working overtime when I don't want to work overtime because I have a family and I value my family time? And yeah, the money is nice, but you're taking advantage of it. And I don't want you to do that because we can work and give of ourselves in many, many different ways that make our life great and earn us a ton of money and not negotiate away who we are and what we need to be happy. Let me say that again. We can have the very life that we want and and all the money and everything that we want to have and not negotiate away the things that make us who we are. But you only can do that when you're willing to become non-negotiable about your values. And when you're willing to work and say, it may be really lonely standing on this value that I have, but I'm willing to stand here and let everything else flow past me until the right things come to me. Because when you get non-negotiable about your big values, when you get non-negotiable about your big, big rocks, when you take your life into your own hands and say, you know what, some things are going to go past me that I might have said yes to. But I'm going to have to say no, because I need to say yes to myself first. When you do that, life becomes really personal. And you don't take everything personally, but you recognize that everything has the potential to impact you personally. And you start thinking about things very differently. People, places, things, ideas, everything starts to go through the lens of how does this impact my personal bottom line? How does this get me to where I want to be on my journey? How does this move my needle for my big rocks? Or does this just bring a bunch of small stone stuff? And does this begin to consume me in the quicksand of someone else's life? Or am I giving someone else or some circumstance or some situation a jackhammer to begin to whittle away at things that I valued the most? If I had stayed in that job, I would have been giving my boss a jackhammer or even a pickaxe because he didn't explode all the time. I think I worked for him for six months before we ever had that incident. Um, But in the, the aftermath of that incident, the other people who worked in the office told me, oh, this happens. This happens. And in fact, one of the sales managers was like, this is the last time I'm dealing with this. And he quit. <laughs> like he actually went and worked for a different client, one of our clients. Uh, but he was done dealing with him because this was his personality, which at six months, you know, didn't show up. But when it showed up, oh boy, did it show up. If I had stayed, I would have been giving him a, a pickaxe to whittle away at the things that were important. I would have been giving him permission to jackhammer away at something that I valued. And that was non-negotiable. That was non-negotiable. So when you think about the way that your life is going, the trajectory of your life existence, I want you to ask yourself just very simply, is this in service to me and my bottom line? Is this in service to one of my big rocks? You know, sometimes you stand on your relational big rock, your health big rock, your money big rock, your time big rock. Um, I always say you you probably have six to seven big rocks. You should have no more than that because you can't really focus on more than that. And honestly, and truthfully, you can't really focus on more than three or four, three or four at a time. 
um, and you are always focusing on at least on a, at least one, if not two of them simultaneously, because life is coming at you on multiple levels. So if you have too many big rocks, then what, all you really have are some really big small stones that you need to get more focused about. You need to get really clear about what your big rocks are, not what your little petty rocks are, because that's the stuff that keeps you not moving forward and keeps you negotiating. What are your big rocks? One of my big rocks is time. The use of time in my life is very important to me. Time is a finite resource with infinite possibilities. I understand that every time I give time away to something, recording this podcast, playing with my child, working with a client, writing a book, going to work out, I am using currency. I am using that currency in the service of something important to me. So I am very, very, very stingy with my time. And I believe that if I'm using it to do something, it has to return something to me that is of equal or greater measure period because that is a big rock for me and if it doesn't return something to me that is that is of equal or greater measure for the time that I feel like I'm giving to something I'm not going to do it I'm not going to do it I'm that friend who'll say let me get back to you about that party because I might need to work on some work stuff and that work stuff buys me time that party might be fun but not at this point in my life because I need to work on this thing or I need to go hang out with my kid and spend some time with him. And that thing that I might do, that adulting thing that I might do might need to wait another couple hours or another week or I'll catch you next month. Or I need to have adult time. So my kid gets to go hang out and play with his cousins or do something that he needs to do. And I need to go take the time to be, to remember that I am a grown and sexy woman existing in the world and take the time to do that. But time is a valued big rock in my life. And I have it defined out very clearly for myself. So that when I run up against things that want my time that I'm that I'm on the fence about, I immediately go to my big rock and say, does this serve my value of time? And if the answer is no, I simply won't do it. I the answer is no. If the answer is no, then the answer is no. Again, sometimes you got to bend and flow with some things that may be out of your control, but you still stand on your value and you come back to straight. You don't start going, well, if I just pull up my feet and step this way, then maybe I can get this person to do what I want or I can get this thing to come to me faster or I can get this. No, you bend, but you don't break. You learn, but you keep growing. You root down, but you don't get bogged down in other people's stuff. Okay, you don't get bogged down in other people's stuff because your non-negotiables are your non-negotiables, not anybody else's and no one else is required to live them but you. But so if you won't live them, you can't require somebody else to respect them because they're not going to live them for you. So when you start thinking about your big rocks and you start thinking about the places where you are needing to become non-negotiable, if you don't have those written down, this is then life is always anxiety filled. I like to say that anxiety is, you know, is fear that doesn't have a, a voice. When you're anxious about something, it's because you haven't let fear talk to you. And fear, fear are ideas without a plan. Fear are, are, are your ideas without a plan. You're afraid of them because you haven't planned for them. And so instead of planning for them, you just sit and you're paralyzed with fear about the what ifs and what, what maybes and who's going to say and what might this work out. You know, the antidote to both anxiety and fear is action. That's the antidote. If you are anxious, you need to stop moving and listen. That's the action that you need to take. If you're anxious, you just stop moving and let fear in. Let fear talk to you because anxiety is untethered fear. Fear are ideas that have no plan. 
They're like, listen, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. I got this. I, I got this plan. I got this idea. I got this idea. But but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know who might be a, a, a setup. So then you have no plan. So then you just wallow in the fear. You get the whirlpool of the fear that just sucks you down. And anxiety is the tornado that just tosses you in the air, just keeps tossing you in the air because it's just like, oh, I'm just floating on currents of anxiety. How many of you float on currents of anxiety all day long? That thing that just never seems to settle down for you. And you're like, gosh, why am I so anxious all the time? Why can't I, why can't I get my thoughts to focus? It's because you're not willing to face the fact that you might be afraid to take a leap on something. You might be afraid of some, of some situation. You're, you're not wanting to listen to fear. Malcolm Gladwell writes excellent books. And if you've never read any of his books, you should read them. Um, But The Gift of Fear. Oh, wait, that's not Gladwell. Shoot. Not outliers. You know, this happens to me every time. (laughs) I read so many things that sometimes I get that. So anyway, Malcolm Gladwell. And I'll link to the book that I'm thinking about in the show notes. But he talks about fear. I think it is The Gift of Fear. He talks about fear. And I don't agree with everything that Gladwell says, but he talks about the gift, right? Understanding that fear isn't there to hurt you. It is there to alert you that something else could be hurting you, that something else is off kilter. But we are nego- we are um, programmed to run from fear because we feel like fear is a bad thing. Fear is just the wake up call to say, hello, 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 hi, where are your emotions in here? And there's something off. We'd like for you to solve that if you don't mind, please. Yeah, chop, chop, any day now. Instead, we just run away. And so then we live our lives in quiet anxiety all day, all day long. We let anxiety chase at our heels like like dogs. We're walking down the street and all of a sudden here comes that dog racing out from their yard and you've got to run. And that's anxiety. It races out from us at every turn and we can't get away from it. Instead of going, okay, I am afraid of this moment, but I could just go get the owner of this dog and ask them to put it, this dog on a leash. And then I could I could figure out if this is the best route for me to take home or the best way for me to walk. Or maybe I can try to make friends with the owner because I go this way often enough that we can come to some kind of understanding that I need to plan to get down the block without your dog chasing me. Okay, that's what we need to negotiate with. We don't negotiate with what we believe is to be well and true and right about our lives, but we negotiate with others to make sure the things that we are feel well and true and right about our lives can be executed in ways that are beneficial to ourselves without taking too much from somebody else. That's all we can do. But when you know what is good and well and true and right about your life, because you know what you value, and you know who you are, it's easier to face your fear and go, you know what, I just got to figure out how to solve this problem. And I can, because I know who I am. And I know what I can do. And if I don't know something, I'm willing to learn it. Because another big rock value of mine is experiential education, always getting better through the experiences of my life. If I don't know it, and I need to know it, I'm going to go find someone who does and see if they'll help me get better at it experiential education allows me to experience life in ways that bring information sometimes entertainment sometimes joy but always some kind of education to my life and I value those experiences and if I don't feel like I'm going to get that that experience from a encounter or an environment I choose to opt out I just choose to opt out I don't need to waste my time there that's not for me but you got to know your big rocks you got to know your values you've got to know your priorities all right so you've been listening to me for almost 40 minutes All of this comes back around to what are you negotiating on and what should be non-negotiable in your life? And if it's not non-negotiable in your life, it needs to become non-negotiable in your life again. You want to pick up big rock, small stones in your happiness. The workbook is out there. It comes with two videos that I did, two live videos that I did. Very short, sweet, and to the point. If you want more of this, if you think I actually need to spend some time working through this concept of my big rock priorities and Looking at where the small stones are drowning 
and consuming me and, and, and going over my big rocks to the point where I don't know if I'm standing on them or they're standing on me. If you need that, because that's where you are, then sign up for the workshop. And yes, the workshop will be out there. Uh, the sign-up sheet will be out there. You can DM me. You can send me an email, support at sashinmobley.com, or there'll be a link to the waiting list in the notes, uh, in the show notes and on the uh, at the link tree. But you get to decide and you want to decide because 2022 is coming. Yes, but there are still like eight weeks left in this year, in this year. And if you want to become non-negotiable in 2022, then you need to get non-negotiable in 2021. Because whatever you're putting off until New Year's Day, you could do today. And that's what I want you to do today. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. Again, remember that all my ebooks are, will be on sale for Black Friday, but they are all on sale right now. So pick up a copy of any of them and get yourself started on the road to the best bliss life. Um, the workshop waiting list will be open. If you want to get on it, please sign up. Please leave a rating or review. Let us know that you're out there in listener land. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can get other videos uh, from me and other updates and other all kinds of wonderful stuff. And also like and subscribe there so that YouTube lets me know. Have a great Monday. I hope this finds you well and truly on the path to being non-negotiable in your life. Have a good one. I will see you tomorrow. Bye now.